really. Say to yourselves, really. Say the word. Really. Oh, well. Really? I'll come to that in a minute. We celebrated yesterday, and I married Mary and Elliot, now Mary and Elliot Broadhurst, as we've heard earlier. Ooh. Yeah, it was about that. And in that, they're at a venue over in Cheshire, and I know they'll all be watching online, all family and guests, won't they? Right at this moment. You believe that, you believe anything. But on a serious note, we had lots of people in here, just like you today, and they were in for the first time. And that's really what I want to touch on. I want to talk about really, really, is our God, the God that we worship this morning, is he real? Do you know, last week, we could have just even said to ourselves, oh, I've had known at a family service, I want to come. It's a bit too lively for me. The minute we get into that state, we miss out on what God is doing. This place was full of life and energy. It was full of the expression of God's grace. As young Ellie Hogg said, if you'd seen it, watch it online or not, and she pointed over and she said, and big shout out for Mary, and Mary was to uh, her right, and she was saying she's getting married next week, which was yesterday. And then we had, uh, let me think of the name, was it Blessing, who was, oh, Precious, Precious was singing over us, a young lady. We've got Erin this morning on our AV, just a young person serving us. Do you know what? Last week was one of my favourite weeks of the year. If we're going to leave a legacy as a church family, it should always be with rah-rahing on our young people. So I want to, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for the leaders, Natalie overseas, but also for every other leader who were behind the scenes working. But come on. As a church, we should be so thankful. I've asked you to say the word really, and you've said it once or twice. But as I share scripture this morning and some stories that you perhaps have heard of before, in fact, Ben said it during worship. He asked us to remember back in the day, back when we first acknowledged Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. I'd ask you to keep that thought. There's a scripture that I'm going to start with and it frames everything that I'm going to say today. And it's this. Found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 18. It says these words, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery, and recovery of the sight of the blind. To set the oppressed free. Keep that in your mind as I share in 1965, there was a little boy born, and that was me, in Bolton, in Havercroft. You can see the picture, can't you? Put in swaddling clothes, and my dad went fishing for two weeks, because that's what you did back in the day. Go forward a bit. At 17 years of age, and I want you to really take note of this, 17 years of age, I've never been in church. I attended a place called Bethesda Pentecostal Church. No, we've got some in here I'm going to mention. I've just seen John and Ruth over there. But I walked in there for the first time really into church life. It might be like you today. You've walked into this place for the first time. I'll come to that. I was greeted with a scene, an experience and a people that I thought, wow, how odd are these people? I found them very happy clappy, 
when I put that in my search engine, when I was uh, typing this out, it came clammy. And I think that's more accurate description. A very clammy people. I observed the dancing, a Pentecostal two-step as they called it. I'm sure Denise and Brian could, it's where they just, I don't know, I think you kicked forward, didn't you? A bit like that. Brian, come and show, no, don't show us Brian. So they're doing the two-step. I sound a bit like Barry Woodward now, don't I? You'd have been there. I'm a 17-year-old, I'm thinking, what on earth is going on here? They didn't have perhaps as many lights as we got here, but they certainly had the atmosphere of worship. They had the two-step going. And I just started to pen some names. And if I miss you, I'm sorry, I mentioned John and Ruth. So there was Jean and there was Brian, there was Denise, there was Nigel, there was Dorothy, there was Annette and Paul, there was Dave and Norma, there was Max and Angela, Sue and Gail. And the list keeps going on. And they were very odd, as I said. (laughs) But in the midst of that, as a young man, there was an hour preach. At minimum, an hour preach. And some. There was wooden pews. Not the wide seats that you've got now, plush and comfy. Can some of you remember those times? And it was totally foreign to me. Totally in a world that I've never experienced before. And not only that, there was two services on a Sunday. The world had definitely gone mad. You know, if you're attending for the first time, or recently coming to church, you might be feeling overwhelmed yourself. What is this that's going on? Am I really, really the leader here? Really? That's what I'd be saying if I sat where you are. That's what some said yesterday as well. They said, you're normal. I said, well, you're not met this lot from Bethesda Pentecostal Church. They met them later. Oh, I've got another. You got that one. Songs of Praise was my go-to. Like, I didn't go to it. It was just on TV. But that was my experience what I thought church was. Is it real? I thought as a 17 year old. Is it a cult? Will I be brainwashed? And they're all valid questions. And my mum, as I've mentioned before, when I've ministered around this area, and I knew I was in trouble if she called me Richard John Cook, because that's my middle name. And I'd say, oh yes, yeah, yeah, what? She'd say, you've been brainwashed. Because I went into that place and I'll come to it where I ended up. And if you've grown up in church life, you've observed and attended lots of different meetings. You've had lots of different experiences. And I've heard parents say this. I may have said it. You've got to keep coming to church till you're 16. Then it's up to you. And guess what? 16 comes and you don't see him again. Although I agree with that sentiment, I want to speak into... Perhaps there's another way. And we'll come to that during this time. So you've been here, you've attended church, perhaps for a while. You've witnessed all the stuff going on. And as I was there, as that 17-year-old, I'm observing this. And as I'm observing it, I've got a bit of a, a sort of check on my spirit, whatever you'd call it, because... Although I've said the spirit of the Lord is on me, he has anointed me. That wasn't the case in my existence. The truth is, as that young man, 
I was experiencing a culture shock. I was witnessing ideas and customs and behaviour that I just wasn't used to or been exposed to. In my own ways, I was trying to control those feelings. I know some who come from different backgrounds, it could be Methodism or Catholic background or Salvation Army, you come into a Pentecostal church and you think, hmm, it's not really what I'm used to. I was trying to make sense of it all. We need to learn, church. It's not easy to walk through those doors. It's really not. It's intimidating to walk through those doors. Yesterday, an early evening last night, someone said to me, I want to come tomorrow, but I feel too anxious to come through those doors. Yet, everyone's welcome in God's kingdom. You know, back in the day, I asked myself a question. Where and whom is all this emotion and adoration centred? What's it focused on? With people's arms raised, I witnessed people speaking in a language I'd never heard of. I even witnessed people falling down. Not a clue what's going on. I vividly remember putting a finger in one air, and some of you know this, when someone's been prayed for because they said this minister said the, the leg was short and it's going to grow and I put my finger like that to check whether it was growing sceptical I quickly quickly and fundamentally started to realise that all the attention all the attention was centred on a fo- and focused on a person called Jesus Jesus I was heard I heard it said was the same yesterday today and forever And that was written in a place called Hebrews. Jesus I was hearing about was the son of God. And it was just like whoosh over my head. We're sent to this earth that we're living by his father in heaven. And the well-known scripture that I did not know then from John 3.16 was used lots of occasions. For God what? So loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Remember, every one of us here has come to that point in our lives where we perhaps accepted or rejected. But imagine again me as that 17-year-old. And I wanted to share three quick points on that. Number one, challenged. Number two, changed. And number three, caught. Challenged. As that 17-year-old, I'm too cool. I still am. Too young, not as young, to get religion. I need, didn't need it for 17 years, so what do I need it now? My appearance to my mates would have been tarnished because, after all, the world I was living in was nothing like the church I'd just entered into. My mate Gaz had just gone to the Falklands War, the conflict there, and I was considering going in the same route. I really don't need a deity, a saviour. I really don't need it. I'm all right, Jack. Sorry, Jack but it is a saying. I'm not able or available to assist others and to serve others. You know, it's interesting when we talk about fixed, this room is packed with grateful young men and women, older men and women who have got that recognition that there's hope in their lives because they've given their lives to Jesus Christ. It's electric in this place. If you can be available, be available, sign up. You will not regret it. So I don't require any change in my life or so I thought. 
I don't need to change the pattern of what I've been doing for the last 17 years. I'm living life into the full. You know, my 17 years of age then is probably equivalent to a 10-year-old these days. A 10-year-old knows it all. But you know, more than that, our 10-year-olds have been exposed to far, far more than they should have been. They've got things at their fingertips and they know words and they've seen things that they should never see at their age. For us older ones, we have lived in a time when you had to go, if you wanted to ring someone, to a phone box and put your 20, not 10, how much money would you put in? 5p's? 10p. That's the truth. We should have a lot of sensitivity and a lot of compassion for our young people. The world seeks to devour them. It seeks to get in touch with them and hold them. What's going to keep our young people? I'll come to that. In my formative years, I had to consider what I was experiencing. But I have an excuse, as many of you know, I raced motorbikes on a Sunday so at that time. So I had a valid reason for not coming to church. Do you know what? Racing motorbikes on a Sunday in those days was frowned upon. But these days, our social way of working Sundays has become a day of recreation. And it's, it's many times only day that our families can have together. But we're a lot more sensitive towards that. But again, I bang on that it says in Hebrews, not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, we do need a balance in life. We do need our breaks and our recreation. But I'm telling you what, we're going far too weird the other way. Church is becoming a commodity of, I can take it or leave it. I come against that and I said to us all in here, whether you're new or you're seasoned, coming to church is not about just having a little sing song and listening to a ministry and going on. It's about connecting with our living God and encouraging you all the more so. Come on, we're going to pray with you through that situation. We're going to stand with you through that. Come on. I'm just going to show a clip that many... Probably YouTube will go down there when I'm showing this clip because if you put anything on a video, that anyway, we'll watch it. But it's Ewan McGregor talking about stuff. Hopefully it'll come up on the screens. Thanks, Erin. We love stuff. And there's some really great stuff out there. But I doubt that any of us will look back on our lives and think, I wish I'd gotten a slightly sportier SUV. Bought an even thinner TV. Or I found a trendier scent. I wish I'd discovered a crunchier chip. Found a lighter, light beer. Or had an even smarter smartphone. Do you think any of us will look back in our lives and regret the things we didn't buy? Or the places we didn't go. On holiday, really. But you get the sentiment, don't you? Stuff. The things I was running after as a 17-year-old. I was running after stuff. Things that I thought would bring me happiness. Winning a motorbike race. It did bring me happiness, actually. And a trophy. But I was running after those things. My mates, some of who were not with us now, were running after perhaps narcotics or perhaps drink because that was the stuff that they were consuming and they're no longer with us because that stuff killed them in the end. Do you know, I want to 
just consider what the stuff, or you consider as well, the stuff that you run after and what really matters. Stuff. The Word of God talks about it all being a nothing, that it rusts and fades. Anna said something to me recently on an early Monday morning before we went to work. She says, I'll be glad when this week is over. And then almost immediately she said, no, I'm, going to, I'm not going to wish my week away. I'm going to make the most of it. I just nodded. I wish all conversations with Anna were like that. She, she tells me something that she answers it, man, but unfortunately, it doesn't always happen like that. But you get it, don't you? How many of us wish our moments away? I'll be glad when this is done. I'll be glad when this is over. We need to grasp hold of every moment of every day. What a blessed people we are. At 17, I'm there in that institution. Although it's welcoming, it's asking certain things of me. In learned behaviour, as I observe other people, to be a certain person, to attend this and not attend that, to consider my long-term friendships, were they the best for me? The church was challenging me, the institution was challenging me, and I just didn't get it. I really didn't get it. I thought, after all, I, I'm a good person. I am a good person. What does all this matter? You know, the lens I was looking for was me, myself and I. I just didn't get it though. Perhaps your family or friends just don't get it. Inviting to one service, they don't get it. I was challenged by this Jesus. A Jesus who wasn't putting his arm up my back and saying, I've got to live this way, I've got to live that way. Actually, Jesus didn't force me ever to do anything and doesn't to this day. Jesus' life and story and his ultimate death at 33 years of age compel me to ask more. Ultimately, why did he do what he did? I had to look deeper in myself. I had to consider more. I had to be open to the possibility, is this real? Really? This Jesus who in the Bible said, it said in the Bible, the stone you builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no one other than the name, this name under heaven to mankind by which we must be saved. So I was being challenged. All my world's concept was going out of the window. All my understanding of what really mattered was really affecting me. So I was challenged. Then I started to change my mind. I was listening to a preacher one Sunday and this scripture was read, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised him from the dead will also give, you, uh, give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Romans 8, 11. I didn't get that either. I'm already alive, I thought. So what does even mean, the Holy Spirit? I can't fathom it. Church, be very careful that we think and we use words washed in the blood of the Lamb. What? What does that mean? Body broken for us. We get it because we're seasoned Christians. But let's just get that simplicity back where we acknowledge, acknowledge the simplicity of it. Our young people need to grasp it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This wasn't the case in my life at that age. Over a period of time, I became more conscious, uh, conscious of my mortality. This Jesus was getting under my skin. But it wasn't by the persuasion of people. 
It was by God's spirit I've come to understand sins. It was because my consciousness was now being alerted to something deeper. The scales on my eyes, the word of God would say, were coming off. And I was seeing with clearer, clearer, clearer lens. Excuse me. So I was asking more questions about myself, about my life. I was observing my mates and their patterns of life, their shenanigans I was up to as well. But then the consequences of what I was getting up to on my day to day. And I started to change my mind. I started to grasp the awesomeness of this Jesus. Who again, it says in the word of God, now to him, Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more in all that we ask or imagine according to his power through his work within us. That's found in the Bible in Ephesians. So I'm still pondering. And you might be there or watching online and pondering. Is it real? Really? As Jesus our saviour got the power to forgive really power to save power to heal power to raise from the dead power to protect power to combat power to achieve power to overcome power to love power to persevere power to direct you put your word in that phrase power to do what in your life you know, as I was just mulling over what I wanted to share today, there's many of those powers too I could have shared. But there's one lady that kept coming to my mind. And she's a, a magnificent lady of faith. A lady that some of you might have heard of. This lady is called Corrie Ten Boom. We'll listen to her shortly. Let me just tell you about Corrie briefly. Corrie, a lady with a sister and many of her family members were incarcerated, imprisoned in a concentration camp called Ravensbrück during the Second World War. A place where cruelty of the evil guards and death was the normal. Her sister Betsy dying in that camp. Corrie, a Christian herself, was put to the test in 1947 while speaking at a Munich church. At the close of the service, a balding man in a grey overcoat stepped towards to greet her. Corrie froze. She knew this man well. He'd been one of the most vicious guards at Ravensbrook, one who had mocked the women prisoners as they showered. It came back to her with a rush. She wrote, the huge room with its harsh, harsh overset headlights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the centre of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. And now he was pushing forward to shake her hand, saying to her these words, a fine message for all I how good it is to know, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. Imagine that image. And I, she said, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook. Rather than take that hand, he would not remember me, of course. How could he remember me? One prisoner among those thousands of women but I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with the one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. And as I stood there, I whose sin had again and again had to be forgiven, I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death? Simply of the asking. The soldier stood there expectantly, waiting for Corrie to shake his hand. She wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do, she says, for I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives 
has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. The SS Guard, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying, I was a guard there, but since that time he went, so I never become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel thing I did there, but I would not like to hear them from, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out, will you forgive me? Standing there before the SS man, Corey remembered that forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Jesus, she cried, help me. She prayed, I can lift my hand, I can do that much. Would you supply the feeling? Corrie thrust her hand out. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into my uh, joined hands, and this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other, hands, we grasped each other's hands. The former guard and the former prisoner, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realised it. It wasn't my love. I had tried and did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's watch and listen. And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who has given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? Powerful. But true, forgiveness, we cannot sometimes do it in our, our own strength. Many times we can't. Take that as an encouragement this morning. Caught, sceptical, you might be still in here thinking, oh, that's all fine. It's, it's great that you've shared those few words, Cookie, and, but I'm not going to change my mind. I don't know if it's true or whether it's false. You may be someone who's doubtful about life in general. You mistrust people. On the contrary to that, you might be someone who trusts everything and someone say to you, it's a gospel truth, you say, it is the truth then. It's funny how the world uses the word of God to recognise the truth. No more in today's society are we challenged than now. Young people, why is that so? Why should I believe it? Who says so? Now picture me again as that 17 year old. Stood in the church. My mates getting on with life outside those walls. Picture me as I pray. And people pray for me as it says this, these words in Ephesians. It was like a pray, prayer over my life. For this reason I kneel before the Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power throughout 
through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all Lord's, the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ to know this love that surpasses knowledge church I as a young man surrendered my life to God I acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and Saviour I, in that moment, was overcome with the same compassion that Corrie just shared with. In 1947 for her, me, it was in the 1980s, I give my all to Jesus, acknowledging him. What a saviour we serve. What will keep our young people? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ died and risen what will keep our young people is the acknowledgement that the Holy Spirit moves today and his compassion and love is there for them what will keep our young people is not them just serving or hurling them cursing them that's a better word cursing them just keep them going just keep them going if only they can be connected to this connected to that it's the revelation of, of Jesus Christ our Lord and Saviour if we don't come together as a church and acknowledge that our God is a healing God is a God that can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine we become you can tell I'm on one here, can't you? We can become so, so used to this life that we live. So used to coming on a Sunday. We don't expect healing. The doctor is our saviour. Well, this is what the doctor says. I, I know what the doctor said, but what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say about your life? What does Jesus say about your future? He says, get hold of all that I've got for you. Grasp how much I love you. You know... When I became a Bible-believing, two-step clammy dancer, not that bit, I give my life hook, line and sinker. No compromise for me, then no compromise now. I'm 100% committed to Jesus. I stood here yesterday and married a couple before our Saviour. I did everything in his name, my Saviour. I committed everything that I did yesterday to my saviour. Those individuals who were here listening that said to me, oh, wow, I didn't know it was so, could be so normal. I, don't, I didn't believe people could be so welcoming. He's not seen me driving yet, but it was all right for yesterday. Church, our young people don't need more programmes. They don't need more lights flashing. They don't need louder music. They need to be exposed to our living God. And our living God, by his presence, is the one who moves, the one who challenges, the one who says that as thousands of people, I'm evangelist, are in here for fixed, and they're just at the front of here, I would tears strolling down their eyes saying, I do not know how to go on. I don't know how I can go on. Jesus, would you help me? And Jesus, by the same way that he talks to Corrie Sembrou, I cannot put my hand out, she says. And God says, put your life in my hands and I would lead you no arm up your back no coercion but just this great sense of his spirit leading us the spirit of the living God is on us and is on me I attended a church with loving people I am so thankful those people I thought were very odd and are still very odd and now my friends because now I'm very odd with them so it works but do we believe church that God can shrivel cancer can grow legs, can raise from the dead. Do you really believe that? 
Do you really believe as Stephen was on, the, on, on, his, on his bed and the doctor was saying, dear me, family, you best come in. Did you really believe that God could do a work in his life? Really? Really? Is God real? Well, if God is real, we do the two-step in your own way. Our heart should come alive once more. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 57 says these words. Where all death is your victory. Where all death is your sting. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks to, to be to God. He gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been called to account today once more. We should let our kindness show to all individuals. We would... Interestingly enough, when I talk about our young people and our children and those we come in contact with, we know that we're vessels of God. How they see us respond to things will be a barometer towards how God is working in and through us. I would suggest that being faith-filled and spirit-filled is something that is actually contagious. How have you got through that situation? How are you believing God through that situation? Why are you able to praise God through this situation? No name under heaven other than the name of Jesus can you be saved. The spirit of the living God is on me because he has anointed me and he's anointed you to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the freedom of the prisoners and recover of the sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Really? Yes, really. Be open, be available, consider others. Allow the Holy Spirit once more to move in your lives. We are not here to fill the pews, to go home, to get our dinner, to come back next. We are here to make a difference. That's fine. If you're not understanding all that I've said this morning, just allow God to reveal himself to you in the way that only God can. Amen? Amen. Let's worship together.